You are listening to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, with your host, Randy Sutton. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement here on the America Out Loud Network. I'm your host, Randy Sutton, retired police lieutenant from the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department with 34 years experience. I'm the author of A Cop's Life, which is to be found on uh, Amazon, and also the founder of The Wounded Blue, National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. We have a great show for you today. So before we get into the interview room where our guest is waiting, let's take a walk into the briefing room where I'm going to give you my view from the blue. Lots of stuff happening in law enforcement, as usual. And I wish I could tell you that it was all positive and great. But uh, under the new Biden presidency, we're not seeing, uh, not only are we not seeing uh, a, let's say, anything positive, we're just seeing lots more negative, including what just passed in the House. I'm going to read the headline to you. United States House revives and passes policing overhaul bill. The United States House on Wednesday passed a what's called a, quote, sweeping law enforcement reform bill, initially introduced after last year's protests over police killings of unarmed people of color. The bill, H.R. 1280, passed 220 to 212. Yes, passed 220 votes to 212. The bill would ban, the bill would ban chokeholds and no-knock warrants, eliminate qualified immunity for law enforcement, prohibit racial and religious profiling, establish a national standard for police department operations, etc., etc., etc. Now, this is the this is some of the beautiful part of this. The bill is named for George Floyd, and the way they describe this: a black man who died in custody of Minneapolis police in May. The death of Floyd and other people of color at the hands of law enforcement sparked nationwide protests against police brutality and racial injustice. So I know this will shock you, but it was a California Democratic congressperson who who has espoused nothing but anti-law enforcement views for years who introduced this bill. Of course, didn't stand a chance under the Trump administration, but now that the Biden administration, which has evidenced nothing but an anti-law enforcement agenda from the very beginning has embraced this. Now, here, here's the reality of what this truly means. It may sound nice on paper, the way they, the way they phrase things, racial equality and this and that, but that's not what this bill is really meant to do. This bill is meant to target law enforcement officers and make it easy to prosecute them, sue them, punish them, make their jobs entirely difficult. What it is, is in essence, is an appeasement of the Black Lives Matter agenda. Who has called, and they, they don't make any bones about it, they've called for the complete demolishment of the criminal justice system in America and of prisons. No police, etc., etc., etc. Now, a couple of years ago, you would have heard this and you would have laughed at it and said, oh, get the hell out of here. Wait a minute. You mean my town would be without cops? Uh, That's ridiculous. And of course it is. But you know what? This is another methodology being put in place by liberal Democrats to 
do exactly what the agenda of Black Lives Matter is, and that is to destroy the entire criminal justice system in America. We've seen how this works in areas where they have defunded, such as Minneapolis, where the crime went so much higher that now, even though they have now lost almost 20% of their police department who just left or retired, uh, they have now discovered that, oh my God, what happens when there aren't enough cops? Oh my, crime goes up. Robberies go up, murders go up, gun crime goes up, everything goes up and makes the streets less safe for people in their homes. Well, no kidding. It didn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. But under the incredibly great leadership of these cities like Minneapolis, New York, uh, many others, St. Louis, um, Portland, Seattle, this is what we're seeing all over the nation as... Law enforcement comes under the attack of the, quote, social media, excuse me, social justice warriors, unquote, and these, these politically aggrandized politicians like mayors and city council people whose agenda aligns somehow with criminals and not the police. They're making it exceedingly difficult. Now, we have the the entire United States Democratic Congress waging war on the police as well with this, quote, sweeping reform bill. Well, it isn't the police who need to be reformed. It's the criminals who need to understand that there will be accountability for their crimes. But that is exactly the opposite of what is taking place. What has become some... some incredibly topsy-turvy kind of thinking. It's the cops and the law enforcement profession who are now seen as the bad guys and the and career criminals like George Floyd who lost his life when he, when he swallowed 14,000 different kinds of drugs and then fought the police and died as a result of that. And by the way, no one's been found guilty of anything. The officers who are involved are, are about to go on trial. But nobody's found guilty of anything. And you heard it here first. I don't think they're going to get a conviction. Because that's not what killed George Floyd. George Floyd died as a result of his own actions. The drugs that he swallowed. The medical conditions that he had as a result and the exertion of fighting with the police. And who gets blamed, who gets brought up on charges, who gets tried for murder, but all these police officers. And, and now they name a, 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 quote, sweeping police reform bill after their hero, George Floyd, who, by the way, pointed his gun at a pregnant woman and stuck it in her belly, aiming it at her unborn child. Yeah, that's a hero. Yeah, that's a hero, all right. So we got uh, that part of the war against cops taking place. Now... There's, a, there's a, a, a police department in California, Culver City Police. The chief of, of, of police there just issued an order, issued a memorandum order to all of his police officers. And it makes me sick to see a police leader actually come forward and, and issue an order like this that basically surrenders law enforcement to appease 
the these these agenda driven politicians and appeasement driven social justice warriors not based on any reality but based on the false narrative of law enforcement's quote systemic racism which is nothing but a propaganda voice that doesn't exist but here's so here's this this chief's order i'm going to read it to you and and then i'm going to explain it to you because it's absolutely disgusting to me that uh that this that this chief and and others like him other chiefs are doing are following suit which is astounding to me okay so here here it is this is to all culver city police department employees from manny sid chief of police and here's the here's the you're going to love the subject refocused policing directive i wonder how long it took for him to come up with that euphemism after extensive and careful consideration the department will be initiating a new internal directive and quote refocused policing quote unquote approach to patrol this focused approach will prioritize emergency services redirect our efforts towards more serious traffic safety concerns and crime as well as significantly reduce the number of traffic stops and contacts with community members for low-level traffic infractions effective immediately all uniformed officers will move away from stopping community members based solely on minor equipment related traffic infractions such as tinted windows malfunctioning vehicle lights broken windshields etc this refocused policing approach will allow us to prioritize our efforts towards enforcing more hazardous traffic violations and responding to crime trends uh-huh here it goes on uniformed officers will continue to remain proactive sure that's that's ex- that's exactly the opposite of what they're asking their cops to do remain proactive through high visibility patrol in our business and residential districts expedited response times to calls for service enforcement of hazardous traffic violations and an increased effort to accurately and toughly that's an interesting word toughly investigate and document crime when it occurs this department remains committed to providing every member of our community with the highest level of professional and compassionate police services and we will continue to look for strategies to build trust and legitimacy with our community while maximizing our overall effectiveness i completely understand this is a huge change in philosophy and policing approach for our organization as i discussed with much of the department staff over the last few days this cultural and philosophical change is an important part of our department's responsiveness and ability to adapt to the changing expectations of our community and city's leadership that's the key words right there i'd like to thank each and every one of you for your continued hard work and unwavering dedication to this department and community we serve your commitment to duty during these extraordinarily trying times has been nothing short of remarkable i'm proud and humbled to continue to serve alongside you all and signed by the chief of police what utter bullshit okay now i reached out to this chief i invited him to come onto this show 
to talk to me and explain his actions in sending this this surrender of policing to his cops. And I know this is going to shock you, but he's not coming on the show. They wouldn't even respond to it, even though I made several calls. I spoke personally to his public information officer. And when I explained who I was and what I wanted, he told me he would personally give this chief the invitation to appear. Well, that was uh, two weeks ago. I haven't heard a word. So he's, he's just shown exactly what his true colors are. He doesn't have the guts to come onto the show and talk to me about his appeasement strategy, which is all this is. You know, the reality is this. Proactive policing is the way crimes are solved. What is proactive policing? It is generating as many citizen contacts as possible looking for crime. Now, how do you do that? You use the tools that are available to you in engaging in conversations with people. And very often, simple equipment violations have led to some of the most dramatic arrests in history. For instance, the Oklahoma City bomber, McVeigh. The way that he was arrested was because of what is considered by this chief a minor traffic violation. So minor that he has now told his cops not even to stop people for it. That's what real policing is. This guy is apparently, either he was never really a, a true cop, that he's been an empty suit or one of these ladder climbers, or he simply is, is so cowardly that he's afraid to stand up to the social justice warriors and the political influencers in his city's government. But in any event, what this is, what this coward did was acquiesce to the narrative that is now feeding into his directive, telling his cops not to be cops. That's exactly what he just said here. He is a disgrace, a disgrace to law enforcement. And I wish I could say he's the only goofy chief that's that's in, involved in doing such things, but the more chiefs that are being placed into these positions of authority by the liberal left political leadership, they're just finding their yes people. They're, they're putting people into place to jump to their marionette strings. They're not putting cops into place, real cops, to become chiefs of police in many of these communities. They're putting in their lackeys, their yes men, their yes people, if you want to say, and that's apparently what has happened here. Culver City Chief Sid, you're a disgrace. And don't have the guts to even come on the show and talk about it. I hope that uh, you get this message personally from your PIO who is listening. Lots of other stuff going on. Here's, here's This is a great headline. Seattle Councilwoman who defunded police calls cops to report crime she's trying to decriminalize. You can, I, this is some of the funniest stuff ever. Seattle, Washington. This is from uh, the Police Tribune. A Seattle council member who helped defund the city's police department recently called law enforcement to report the same type of crime she's trying to legalize. Seattle City Commissioner Lisa Herbold, by the way, you want to you want to see an idiot, you got to just google her 
and watch some of her idiotic statements about about Seattle and about law enforcement. She is she is a a walking. I, uh, I'm not even, I'm not going to describe her anymore. Seattle City Council member Lisa Lee Herbold is pushing for radical new legislation that would allow offenders to use chemical dependency, poverty, and mental illness as legal defenses. She is the chair of the council's public safety committee. Oh my God. The fox is in the hen house. Modeled the prospective ordinance after a draft bill created by, <laughs> you're going to love this, the draft bill is created by public defenders. Wow. Now, that's, that's something to give a lot of credibility to. She slipped the proposed alteration into a budget committee meeting after the session had been underway for three hours. If enacted, the ordinance would essentially legalize nearly every misdemeanor offense for defendants who are able to demonstrate symptoms of a mental disorder or symptoms of an addiction, even without a medical diagnosis. The exception would also apply in cases where the suspect claims their crime was justified due to a, quote, immediate basic need, unquote, such as stealing in order to get money for rent, food, clothing, etc. Nearly all misdemeanor offenses would be eligible for potential dismissal and excusal under the new proposal. But uh, not too long ago, Herbold placed a 9-11 call to report the very type of offense her proposed ordinance would decriminalize. They were dispatched to her residence after the city council member told 911 operator someone threw a rock and hit the window of her home. She told responding officers she, quote, dove into the kitchen for cover after hearing a loud noise that sounded like a gunshot, according to a police report. Uh, her neighbor spotted a suspect, but then said he would not call the police if the guy came back. Now, this is, this is exactly the type of legislation that would give offenders blanket immunity for misdemeanor prosecution for any offenses besides DUI and domestic violence. Any credible claim of anxiety, depression, trauma, addiction would make the defendant unprosecutable for the vast majority of crimes. Are you kidding me? This is the type of insanity, the type of nonsense that the political leadership is passing down and trying to create as laws. And they've been effective. If you actually look at the what was what was hailed as a public safety referendum in California, it basically decriminalized everything. You can now get this. You can now go into a, any store and steal up to $999 worth of stuff and not be prosecuted. And, and that's a day, by the way. $999 a day and not be prosecuted. That is, that's, that's part of the, the legalization of basically every criminal activity that they can legalize. And then they, they point out, well, there's been a drop in crime. Well, yeah, sure there's been a drop in crime. You just made it legal to steal. This is part of the, of the insanity that's taking place all over America in this, in this mindless type of anti-law enforcement vengeance that, that seems to be going all across the country. So I, 
I find it, I do find it kind of amusing that she would call the police on a crime that she just wants to decriminalize. Power as the prosecutor, Ann Arbor, Michigan, Washington County. Well, if you're living in Washington County, your crime is about to skyrocket because the bad guys will know instantly that there is no consequence or accountability for committing crimes in this guy's county. So this is all part of the insanity that's taking place across America. The anti-law enforcement agenda is alive and well. And I will keep reporting it here on Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. Do you like coffee? Well, I'll bet you do. And I have got the coffee for you. It's called Law Dog Coffee. LawDogCoffee.com It is, first of all, it's phenomenal coffee. Secondly, it goes to support uh, a great organization, the Wounded Blue, which helps injured and disabled law enforcement officers. So this coffee is Costa Rican coffee. It is roasted in a family roasting company that has been in business for over 90 years. And I got to tell you, it's delicious. Now, if, if, if I didn't believe that this coffee was so good, I, I couldn't get out up here and lie to you, okay? It, it, it really, truly is. And here's, here's the best part. It's so convenient. You, it, it, it's a subscription coffee. So you go online, lawdogcoffee.com. And you order a pound or two pounds, however much coffee you drink. They got some really cool different flavors, and uh, and it is it is amazing coffee. Go to LawDogCoffee.com, order yours now. I promise you, if you're a coffee drinker, you are going to love it, and the profits go to a good cause. So check it out, LawDogCoffee.com. Tastes so good, it ought to be illegal. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multi-nutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. All right, now, here, I got something to tell you. Listen up, listen up, listen up. Mark off October 30th, 2021 on your calendar because that is when the Brothers in Blue Bash is going to be held here in Las Vegas. The Brothers in Blue Bash will be the largest celebration of law enforcement unity and pride in America. If you are law enforcement, if you are current law enforcement, uh, retired, or you truly support the men and women of this profession, 
who are giving so much for their communities, then come on out for this. First of all, it's going to be a hell of a party. Secondly, it's a benefit for the Wounded Blue, National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Officers. Thirdly, there's going to be a great time at the Ahern Hotel. Ahern Hotel is this phenomenal new boutique hotel here in Vegas. You don't want to miss this party. Now, how do you get to it? Okay, listen. You can go to our Facebook page, which is Brothers in Blue Bash. Facebook, Brothers in Blue Bash. You can get tickets there. You can get a table there. If you want to sponsor this event and become part of this, contact me personally, Randy at thewoundedblue.org. It's Randy at thewoundedblue.org. But you want to be here for this because it is going to be not only a fantastic party, it's going to be a demonstration of law enforcement unity and pride in America. Be there. Brothers in Blue Bash, I will see you there. My fellow Americans, you've watched for decades as radical Marxists have systematically taken over some of our nation's most cherished institutions. And like us, we're pretty sure you're not happy about any of it. But this is the America we now find ourselves in. AmericaOutloud.com is fighting back with one of the fastest growing conservative media networks in the world, featuring some of the nation's most influential experts and commentators. It is a fight for the soul of humanity. America Out Loud Talk Radio is the voice of liberty and justice for all. With me today in the interview room of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, is Sam Peters. Sam, I'll give you a little bit about his bio. He's a retired major from the United States Air Force. He spent 20 years, including combat support duty in Afghanistan, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, tours in Panama, Korea, and various installations in the United States. He retired in 2013. He is a Bronze Star recipient for his efforts in Afghanistan. He is the owner of Peter's Family Insurance, a uh, risk management firm in Las Vegas. He has also run for Congress, but he is the founder of an organization that is, is based on supporting law enforcement. Sam, thanks so much for joining me here on Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. Randy, it is an absolute pleasure to be on with you. I appreciate you and, and all of the uh, law enforcement and first responder heroes out there uh, doing doing what others won't uh, and often <laughs> and often uh, too often criticize uh, you for doing. And, and I know I know the impact that you guys have all the time. Uh, and I just I appreciate uh, what you do in that regard and, and all your listeners as well. Uh, and, and more importantly, uh, thank you for what you do with the Wounded Blue a uh, great organization and uh, just, just proud of you for doing that. So thanks for stepping up. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Much appreciated. So you have created an organization called the Law Enforcement Loyalty Pack. And I really want to talk to you about that because I think it, it could stand as a model for, for people who want to support law enforcement in a real meaningful way. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about what your, your past history is and what brought you to, to create an organization like this? 
Yeah. So when I was in, well, you know, I was in high school some uh, many moons ago. Uh, I always, I just, I wanted to be a police officer. It was something that I was, I was felt drawn to something that uh, really interested me and, you know, watching the, uh, the police in the small town that I grew up, there was, there was a lot of respect for them. They carried themselves in a, in a professional manner. And it, it was just impressive to me. And it was something that, that uh, I wanted to, to do. My family is a, is a military family. So I ultimately ended up in the, in the air force. Uh, and I, uh, incidentally, you know, chose the job of law enforcement in that particular, in that capacity. I was given the opportunity to be a canine handler and I spent 10 years doing that in various places across the country uh, and, and around the world, uh, you know, handling dogs and searching for explosives and narcotics and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I cut my teeth, my, my professional life and adult life in, in a law enforcement type role. Uh, and again, it was in the military. And I commissioned, I had to get away from law enforcement, but my heart was really, you know, kind of still there. I was, as an officer, I did a number of things and still worked very close with the, uh, uh, with the law enforcement um, uh, in, on the federal side. Um, and then I retired, I started, I, I started business, started doing what uh, family guys do. And, and, you know, as I, as a few years go by, I see what's happening in the, in the, in the world. And I decided to run for, uh, for, for office uh, that didn't work out in 2020. Uh, but the problems that were that were that we saw in 2020, the you know obviously the economic shutdowns were 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 critical. Uh, but then we started seeing cities burn down, and and it became very apparent to me that uh, elected officials across the country in, in cities everywhere were turning their backs on law enforcement and the rule of law. And as you know, somebody that you know served in a number of you know combat areas. One of the one of the rules in the military is, you know, no, nobody left behind, no, no uh, soldier, no airman, nobody's left behind that that uh, principle is incredibly important, not only just in the mil in the military, but uh, to the law enforcement community as well. And the people who were being left behind were the were the police officers and they were being left behind by the elected officials. And it's still happening today. It's and, and we'll talk some more about that in a bit. But um, that was that was kind of the impetus of creating this, this organization. And the, the, when we were creating it and coming up with a, a, a name for it, um, it we, have, we wanted to be inclusive across you know, local, state, and federal law enforcement. Uh, so the law enforcement piece of it was pretty clear, but we, 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 we went back and forth on a couple different names. And I, I just finally said, no, we, this needs to be about loyalty. This needs to be about not leaving people behind who are protecting us and are enforcing the laws. And, and it, it, the dichotomy of this is interesting because the people who are enforcing or are making the laws and telling you police officers to enforce them are then turning their backs uh, on you enforcing the laws that they've told you to enforce. Isn't, yeah. Uh, so, okay. So let, let's, let's, let's jump into this conversation. Yeah. The, the reality is just as you said, we, and, and the hypocrisy is amazing. Thank so you. That's the word. The, we see around the country, in fact, right now, even as we speak, as, as these hearings are taking place on Capitol Hill regarding the January 6th attack on the Capitol, right, right. And, and law enforcement is front and center in this, and we see the politics being played out uh, because of the hierarchy of the Capitol Police, then we see at the same time um, lawmakers trying to change the laws in order to destroy law enforcement as we know it. Yeah. How is this taking place? I mean, you're you know, you're you're 
you know, front line and center here. How is how does this decision making even begin with these pol- with with politicians? Well, the decision making part of it, and how the you know, this is a Democrat led uh, function, or 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 the, the the drive to defund police, the drive to, and we can talk. We're going to talk about HR uh, twelve eighty here in in, in a minute, uh, and the, the the elimination of qualified immunity and all of these different things. This is coming from a far left progressive area, and it's it's Democrats who are pushing this. Um, you know, and and I don't want it. Unfortunately, it's a partisan issue, and and it really shouldn't be. Uh, law and order is not something that 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 should, you know, should not transcend both parties. It's it's something that's core to our our constitution and our and our our country. Uh, how they get to a place where they want to defund the police? Uh, I mean, obviously, it's far left radical influencers and and antagonists that are that are pushing that, and we can see you know cities like uh, Portland and uh, Austin, Texas, and these type of places. Uh, that are that are super liberal. How you know how the question? How do you get to this place? Is something I struggle with. But the the true answer, I believe it. It's a power grab. It's a it's a it's a desire to control the narrative, absolute completely. And they and they fear law enforcement. And, you know, they're when when a criminal is breaking the law, the last person they want is somebody to interrupt them breaking the law. So you know. It's it's a tough thing to to digest, but a lot of these politicians are not of the leadership quality and the leadership value that we want running our country. And it can be you can look at that from from a number of um, angles. You can look at it from a a budgeting angle where they have completely gone off the rails from a from a spending standpoint. You can look at it from an angle of this law enforcement that we're talking about and the desire to defund police, eliminate Minneapolis, eliminating their police department. Are you out of your minds? Um, I mean, so many angles you can look at this from, uh, but it all comes back to, and to me, and again, this goes into why we, we established law enforcement loyalty pack. It goes into, or comes back to the people that we're electing are not the people we should be electing. We need to be electing who people who, you know, have, have a background where they can manage people and lead and lead people. Uh, and there's a difference there. Um, there you need, we need people who understand what, um, fiscal responsibility is, um, we need people who, who will back law enforcement and not turn their backs and understand, you know, that military mantra of, of never leaving somebody behind. Those are the type of people that we need to be electing. And we have gone, we voters, we America, we've gone off the rails in, in, in not doing that. I think, um, I think that's one of the most frustrating things for law enforcement to be seen now is that the the, I guess the the political situation, but the social situation across America seems to have changed so radically in such a short period of time, where the left has basically taken control of the narrative, mm-hmm. and law enforcement is is about to enter a crisis period. It's already begun in recruitment, the you know diminishing incredibly mm-hmm. retention. I mean, the NYPD alone has, has lost thousands of officers right. due to retirements that are that are taking place because of the, the situation across America. So oh, let's talk about what what your organization does, because we could we could debate or not even debate. We could discuss 
the situation that is taking place uh, against law enforcement yeah. from all, we could do that all day long, but, yep. but you're actually doing something. You're taking the bull by the horns. If uh, you know, if to, to use a, a, a phrase yeah. and actually stepping up and trying to change this environment. Talk, talk to me about the, about your organization and what you hope to accomplish with it. Yeah, for sure. So you're, you're right. These organizations that are, that are like you mentioned, New York, they're only starting to see the beginning of the fleeing of, of, of folks um, leaving those departments. And it's, and it's, it's not getting any better with some of this legislation that's coming up. Um, So what we're trying to do and what we did in 2020, um, first of all, you know, having an organization like this and, and having an impact that we hope to have, uh, it starts with raising some money to get that done. So I'll throw my, my website out there or the, the organization website is law enforcement loyalty pack and pack is PAC.com law enforcement loyalty pack.com. Uh, folks can donate there if they're so inclined. Um, so what we do is, and hundred percent of the, the dollars go towards the function of the, uh, the pack. So it's a political action committee. Uh, we look at and try to recruit candidates who have those things that I talked about a minute ago, the leadership ability, some fiscal responsibility, most importantly, law enforcement support and understanding, uh, and, and, you know, the, the, uh, dedication to rule of law. And we look at these different seats in, in the state of Nevada currently, um, that are up for re-election. So in in August and July and August of 2020, uh, we pulled the the you know the master roster of all of the positions that were up for re-election in the state, whether it's the state assembly, the state senate, city councils uh, across uh, across the state, um, county commission races, uh, school board races, all of the positions that can have an impact directly on law enforcement, you know, in school districts, uh, they have the school district police, so they have a funding put, uh, component there. Uh, the city councils, obviously, in these smaller cities like Mesquite, for instance, uh, here in Nevada, um, we supported a, a city council member and um, uh, getting their word out and, you know, doing endorsements, uh, giving direct funding to the candidate, uh, doing indirect spending through whether it be social media advertising about that candidate's um, uh, candidacy and, and, and what they what their beliefs are. Uh, and we vet those candidates uh, pretty extensively. The board members that we have uh, on the law enforcement loyalty pack, um, with the exception of our treasurer, uh, all have a military background or a, a law enforcement background. Uh, we have a 30 year, um, a 30 year sergeant from uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. We have a, a retired Secret Service agent. We have a retired Department of Homeland Security investigator. Uh, myself as a canine handler in the military, and and, and uh, those folks. And we reach out to other folks uh, like yourself and uh, other law enforcement uh, agencies for for uh, discussion points as well. We're in touch with the law enforcement unions here in uh, in Nevada, uh, and we've sat down with them a number of times to talk about what's important to them, uh, so we can help and be kind of the voice, um, the the political voice. Uh, to make sure, and again, we target a lot of these seats that have direct impact on law enforcement funding, law enforcement procedures, law enforcement, and just, you know, the people who back and uh, the law enforcement folks are responsible too. Uh, so we look at the those seats and we try to make sure that if we can have an impact on electing people who will with uphold their their responsibility to law and order, and in turn, law enforcement, uh, we will get behind them and try to get them elected as best we can. And at the same time, 
those people in those seats who are who have turned their back, uh, we will go after them as much as possible uh, to make sure they don't get reelected and to uncover the lies and the uh, and the um, the turning their backs and the hypocrisy, uh, as you mentioned, uh, so, towards, all right, so towards law enforcement. Let me ask, let me ask. When did you begin this this uh, effort? Uh, I, so I ran for Congress in 2020, as you mentioned, uh, I lost uh, my primary by a few thousand votes. Uh, and but the problems, the problems were just, you know, uh, they weren't just beginning. They had been coming on for a long time. And the reasons I got into the congressional race were, you know, some of these things we're talking about. Um, but I couldn't I, just because I lost the primary didn't mean it, it went away. So I I stepped up. I created the pack. I wanted to get this done. I wanted to make sure that we could do as much as possible to turn Nevada uh, into a, a better place and, and, and a safer place for our for our communities. So uh, it was July and August that we kicked it off. Uh, we had a really short period of time uh, between you know then and the November election to get behind candidates. Uh, we ended up getting behind about 15, uh, 15 or 16 candidates, again, in a city council, uh, county commission, state assembly, state senate, uh, and a school board race. Uh, and we won I think we won seven of them, uh, a school board, a school board race, a city council up in Mesquite. I mentioned um, the, the, the county commission race is going to the Supreme Court. So I can't tell you if we won that one or not. Well, I think we did. Um, uh, we had uh, four state assembly races that we were behind and, uh, and and we turned a couple of those seats from from uh, Democrat to Republican and law and law enforcement supporting now. Uh, so. Um, yeah, real short period of time. We raised about uh, $40,000 in that short period. And we put, again, every 100% of it towards uh, the candidates and, uh, and their elections. So th- this has been based in Nevada. This Correct. is, of course, a national issue. Absolutely. Uh, have, you, have you decided that you're going to attack this on a national scale? So there's uh, the the answer is we'd love to. Um, obviously, nationally, it takes a, a ton more funding. And if that's something that we pursue um, over over time, we will certainly do that um, right now. You know, there's a there's a possibility of, a, of another run for me uh, and, um, you know, transitioning this organization internally uh, it's not going away we're not we're certainly not going to let this thing uh fade out because it's something that's incredibly important uh, on a national on a national level uh we'd love to be there uh we'd love for uh for folks to to get involved nationally and and you know uh take the bull by the horns as you mentioned and, and do this uh in their state so uh it's something we can certainly scale uh we just haven't gotten there yet no it would be this is a grassroots effort in, yes. in a sense Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the beauty of it is that it's, it's the common person, the common man. What you're demonstrating is that, that if you choose to get involved, mm-hmm. you can actually make a difference. Yeah. And it's, uh, but, it, it, but I know this has taken a, an immense amount of work and effort on your part and, uh, and, not to mention your own personal money and, and going out and fundraising. So this is not an easy proposition to take on, but if, if any of my listeners want, who are, who are in different States other than Nevada um, want to talk to you about how they might be able to get involved either in your organization or, you know, create something in their own state, how would they connect with you? 
Yeah, so you can go to uh, law, the law enforcement loyalty pack.com website and there is a uh, 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 fill out a little form name, um, first name, last name, email, send me an email. I will reach out to you. I'll get back to you. I, I reach out to everybody that I possibly can that has an interest in this because it is incredibly important. Um, you can give me a call uh, directly if you if you're inclined at 702-843-4661. Uh, and that's my direct cell. If I'm available, I'll certainly answer again at 702-843-4661. Um, you send me an email, sam at lawenforcementloyaltypack.com. Um, I'd love to talk to folks, love to fo get folks involved. And if there's, if it's an organization in your state, there's rules around, you know, state elections versus federal elections. And each state has their own little rules around elections and creating uh, uh, political action committees. Um, but if you want some pointers and, th and thoughts about it to start it in your state, um, I'd be happy to, uh, to, to lend you some pointers on what we did and how we got it started. Uh, it's, it's absolutely, like you mentioned, a grassroots effort. Uh, and it, and the, you know, the only way we're going to, we're going to break into this thing and, and change it is to do it from the bottom up. Uh, so I'm happy to help in any way I can. All right. Let's talk about if, if you will, you're going to be running for uh, for Congress. Is that correct? Potentially, we have we're going to we're going to announce our plans at the end of the month on what exactly we're going to do. Um, there's a there's a bunch of things happening along that front, obviously, with uh, with the current legislative session in Nevada. Uh, so we've got to we got to look at a couple of things. But uh, yes, there's there's a potential run coming up and, and there's a potential for Congress. When you do that, I mean. I've never run for office. I, it just seems to me such an onerous task that, uh, and you've, you've already done it once and, you know, you, you were disappointed. Um, I mean, if, if you're going to, if you're going to go after this again, how can people help you? Because your stance on, um, on law enforcement is critical now, absolutely critical. Every person that is in, office now there is there is such a massive divide in the in the political thought and in the in the actions so how do people help you if you choose to run again so we so one of the things you do when you set up uh, when you when you start a a campaign or you, you have these thoughts going that you want to run for office one of the first things that you do and and for anybody considering i highly recommend this you set up what's called an exploratory committee and you start, you start, you know, kind of poking around on who's going to support you, what, who you can count on, what your team's going to look like, what your organization's going to look like and how are you going to get it done and, and how, what's the path to victory to get it done. So we have done that and it's, the website is live uh, and it's Sam Peters, the number four congress.com, Sam Peters for congress.com. Um, that site is live. If you want more information about what I stand for on, on a number of different issues, it's all listed there on the website. You can contact me through the website there as well. The biggest thing right now is, is and, it's, and it's a horrible thing about the way our system is set up. The biggest thing going into a campaign is fundraising because it's the largest marketing campaign you will ever be involved in. And it's simply getting your name out, getting your message out, getting, getting the things out to the, to the voters uh, and there's 750,000 voters in my particular congressional district. Uh, and I have to do what I can to reach every one of them. So 
asking for donations is the hardest part. It's the worst part of campaigning, but it's the most crucial, uh, certainly on the early stages, which is where we're at. So uh, if your if your listeners are inclined to help, that's a great place to do it. You know, twenty dollars, fifty dollars, whatever you can you can muster to uh, to get us over uh, the thresholds that uh, that get us the national attention. Um, and we're really close right now on this on this first quarter. Um, and again, it's the exploratory committee time. Once we're over that uh, that limit and we we garner some national attention, uh, then things start to get really serious and and it takes a it starts to take a life of its own. So um, if you guys want to help me do it, I'd love to have your help. And uh, I will absolutely I'm one of those guys who will stand behind law enforcement. I will never turn my back on uh, on the blue. Well, Sam, I I really want to. Uh, I appreciate your your efforts. I appreciate you're going way, way the extra mile when it comes down to your support of the American law enforcement officer. So I wish you the best luck. And, uh, and of course, we'll have you on again as events unfold. And, uh, but I want to, I want to personally thank you both as a, as a citizen and also as a retired law enforcement officer for all that you do. And I urge my uh, my listeners to check you out at uh, at the website and uh, and give you the support you need. Randy, thank you so much again. Thank appreciate you having me on. I just one last message I could give you, listeners and the folks of law enforcement out there. Don't believe the mainstream media that the, that the people of America don't believe in you because it's absolutely not true. America is behind you 100%. We just got to make sure and do what we have to do uh, to make sure the elected officials uh, are behind you as well. So again, I appreciate you having me on, Randy. I appreciate every, all of the law enforcement folks out there. I appreciate what you do. Uh, and uh, it, it was a pleasure being here. Thanks so much. Thank you. I want to tell you about an organization that I'm going to ask you to support. It's called The Wounded Blue. And you can see it at thewoundedblue.org. They are the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. Now, by uh, I have to tell you the truth, and that is that I am the founder of that organization and the national director. What do they do? They provide peer support for injured and disabled officers all over the United States. They have a team of dedicated police officers all who have been shot or stabbed or beaten or run over or faced psychological trauma, and they know exactly what these men and women are going through today. It's free, of course, because this is a national nonprofit charitable organization. They don't take any fees. Nobody makes any money on this deal. This is just about helping those men and women who have sacrificed so much for their communities and their country. Check it out at thewoundedblue.org. Your support is is really needed. These men and women uh, have been abused in ways you can't even imagine. In fact, if you got a moment, go to Amazon.com and look at our documentary film called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. You will be shocked. Check it out, thewoundedblue.org, and support these men and women. Thank you. End of Watch with Randy Sutton. Each week here in Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, we make sure that we pay our respects to the men and women of the law enforcement profession who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the line of duty. We call it End of Watch. Unfortunately, I have more names to add to that list. The first is Deputy Sheriff Thomas Albanese of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, California. Deputy Sheriff 
Thomas Albanese was killed in a motorcycle crash at the intersection of Del Amo Boulevard and Paramount in Lakewood at about 9 a.m. as patrol motorcycle collided with a vehicle in the intersection. He suffered fatal injuries. Deputy Albanese was a U.S. Marine Corps veteran who served with the L.A. Sheriff's Department for seven years. He is survived by his wife, two young sons. Deputy Sheriff Thomas Albanese, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, California. End of watch, Thursday, February 25th, 2021. The next is Police Officer Dominic Jared Winham of the Stanley Police Department in Virginia. Police Officer Nick Winham was shot and killed while conducting a traffic stop near Judy Lane at approximately 3.30 p.m. An occupant of the vehicle got out and opened fire on Officer Wenham before he was even able to get out of the patrol car. The subject fled the scene after the shooting, was locating hiding in a barn a short distance away. The man was shot and killed as he attempted to reach for a weapon as deputies and other officers attempted to take him into custody. Officer Wenham has served with the Stanley Police for five years and previously served with the Virginia State Police for ten years. He is survived by his wife and four children. Police Officer Don- Dominic Jared Wenham. Stanley Police Department, Virginia. End of watch Friday, February 26, 2021. The next is Reserve Deputy Constable Martinus Mitchum of the Second City Court of New Orleans Constable's Office in Louisiana. Reserve Deputy Constable Martinus Mitchum was shot and killed outside of a George Washington Carver High School while escorting a disorderly subject off the property during a high school basketball playoff game. The subject had been denied entry into the game, became engaged in an altercation with a staff member. Deputy Constable Mitchum, who was working a security detail at the game, intervened in the disturbance, escorted the subject out of the building. Once outside, the subject drew a handgun and shot Deputy Constable Mitchum in the chest, killing him. Members of the Orleans Parish Sheriff's Office, who were also at the game, took the subject into custody. Deputy Constable Mitchum served as a reserve deputy constable with the Second City Court of New Orleans for eight years and also served as a full-time police officer with the Tulane University Police Department for 18 months. He previously served with the Loyola University Police Department. Reserve County Deputy Constable Martinus Mitchum, Second City Court, New Orleans Constable's Office. End of watch, Friday, February 26, 2021. The next is Captain Justin Williams Bedwell, Decatur County Sheriff's Office in Georgia. Captain Justin Bedwell succumbed to a gunshot wound sustained two days earlier following a vehicle pursuit of two brothers that started in neighboring Seminole County. The pursuit started when a Seminole County deputy attempted to conduct a traffic stop of a pickup truck for reckless driving. The vehicle fled and the occupants opened fire on the deputies who pursued them into Decatur County. The vehicle stopped in the driveway of a residence near the intersection of U.S. Highway 84 and State Road 310, and the occupants attempted to force entry into the home by shooting through the door. The homeowner returned fire, prompting subjects to abandon their attempt to enter the home. As Captain Bedwell arrived in the area, one of the subjects opened fire on his car with a 30 caliber rifle, striking him in the chest. A second deputy suffered minor injuries. One subject was arrested at the scene. The second subject, armed with a rifle and wearing a bulletproof vest, was arrested 12 hours later following a manhunt. Captain Bedwell was flown to a hospital, Tallahassee, Florida, where he succumbed to his wounds while undergoing emergency surgery March 1st. Captain Bedwell served with the Decatur County Sheriff's Office for 20 years. He is survived by his wife, daughter, and mother. Captain Justin Williams Bedwell, Decatur County Sheriff's Office, Georgia. End of watch, Monday, March 1st, 2021.
The final officer is police officer two, Jose Anzora of the Los Angeles Police Department, California. Police officer Jose Anzora succumbed to injuries sustained on February 26, 2021, when he was struck by a car while directing traffic near the intersection of Martin Luther King and Wall Street. He was transported to a local hospital where he remained until succumbing to his injuries. Officer Anzora has served the Los Angeles Police Department for 10 years, was assigned to the Newton Division. He is survived by his wife and mother. Police Officer 2, Jose Anzora, Los Angeles Police Department, California. End of watch, Wednesday, March 3, 2021. Each of these officers gave their lives in the line of duty, serving and protecting. May they rest in peace. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, here on the America Out Loud Network. I want to thank you for taking the time to spend your time with me and hear about all things that are affecting the American law enforcement officer. Once again, I'm going to remind you to support thewoundedblue.org. I love some hot coffee. Go to lawdogcoffee.com and... uh, the Brothers in Blue Bash. Those are the those are the uh, things I would love for you to take a look at and support and come to and join in because the men and women of American law enforcement need your support. Check it all out. Thanks again for taking the time to spend it with me here on America Out Loud on Blue Lives Radio. We'll see you again soon. Well, or you can hear me again soon.